we are living in someone's false ARG. This is what the Great Reset is. They're just creating what they want the next story to be. And we also are seeing the revealing right now to understand how this 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 realm works so that we can walk through it with, with greater awareness and consciousness. So then going back to the whole thing of like, you know, why does mysticism work? Why, does, why is synchronicity important? Why is looking at rivers, looking at where you are important? Because that is a baseline reality, which is deeper than the ARG. You are going to connect to something. That is the human experience. Hello? Hey, Mike, how are you? Mark, is that you? <laughs> yes, it is. Still haven't changed my number yet. Haven't had to. You haven't had to. Mark, how are you, my friend? Good. Very good. Very good. So why don't you, uh, we haven't spoken for, for a week or so. What's going on? Well, a couple interesting things. I'm really excited to hear more about the synchronicity that you emailed me about, but there was a book, and I'm not sure if you remember recommending this book to me. You probably do. But Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare by Michael Hoffman. I think you recommended it to me twice. But yeah, eventually something reminded me, and I said, you know what? I have a couple, some more money on my Amazon gift card here. And I buy Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare. So. I got that. It's in the mail. It came in the mail two days ago. So just been looking that over. And surprisingly, it fits in really well with a book that was recommended, not personally, but by Chris Knowles. I was listening to a interview he was doing. And this book is called 50 Greatest Conspiracies of All Time, History's Biggest Mysteries, Cover-Ups, and Cabals. And why I say they're similar is because James Shelby Downard is uh, prominent in both books, so, and he seems to be, for some reason, on the forefront synchromystically lately for me. Let's talk about James Shelby Downard then. Cool. I'm down. Well, well first, let's, let, let, let's um, tell me what is, and I'll let you decide where to go first, because there are kind of two parts. One is, I'm curious what how how he shows up in chris knoll's book and then secondly maybe a little bit of an introduction as to who james shelby downard is cool so this book is written by jonathan vankin and john whalen i just it was recommended by chris knoll's and he was oh in, oh, oh gotcha yeah. he didn't write it he recommended it okay. right right and what was so interesting because you know chris knoll's talks about and has done some work on the X-Files, like I'm not directly with the X-Files, but I think he's written some article, broken down some of the seasons of the X-Files. I don't know if it ever made it to a whole book, but 
if you know Chris Knowles's work, you know X Files is a part of it, and he talks about the X Files in this kind of larger than life way. Well, what was so interesting was I get fifty greatest conspiracies of all time in the mail, and I will get to the James Shelby Downard explanation, but. I take a picture of the cover, put it in my Telegram group chat, and one of our supporters who loves this show and loves the show I do, she, as she saw the picture, I guess she was watching The X-Files, and within, you know, half an hour or so, she's on season two, episode 16, I think she said, and in the first five minutes of that show, that episode of The X-Files, one of the main characters is reading this book, 50 Greatest Conspiracies of All Time. And the book even has a, a sort of blurb by the creator of The X-Files on the back. So it's kind of a an interesting book, a little bit more mainstream, I guess, but also fill, uh, chock full of conspiracy theories, as the title suggests, all 50 of them. And the one that stood out the most to me as I was just kind of flipping through, as I usually do, was about James Shelby Downard. Because, you know, I've heard his name. I've heard him talked about. Uh, I've never... all, right, all, right, all right. All right. Let me pause you real quick. Go ahead. Before you go into that, I got I've got, I to gotta get some, some, some insight, okay? <laughs> I saw you post that picture of this book. Yes. I'm pretty sure it was you. And that there was, you fat, you got it used and you found a note from the previous owner, right? Yes. And if I read it, or what did it say? What did the note say? So we were, I wasn't sure at first, because I'm not extremely <laughs> literate when it comes to cursive. Luckily, it said, go ahead. Yep. I, it said that no mention of Wahlberg. Is that what it said? I'm going by memory. Yeah, very close. So, uh, yeah, luckily I have a friend who does read cursive. Shout out to Ron from New England. And he said that it reads as Czech Indie does not mention Warburgs, which Warburgs, big prominent banking conglomerate type family. So whoever owned this book previously was quite possibly on the trail of investigating Warburgs and, and their connection to maybe one of these okay. conspiracies, but there are 50 conspiracies in the book and it's not really, uh, they're okay. not all associated. Okay. So let's, first off, it just absolutely blows my mind how people don't know how to read cursive. I mean, that just shows you the rip <laughs> in just like 30 years. But anyway, well, okay. I'll say when, I do know how to read cursive. It's just the, that one word mention. I couldn't see if it was match or mention. I don't know. Ron says you're it's not, mention. you're not the only, you're not the only person of a younger generation that I've heard that from. That was by no means a reflection upon you, Mark. But nonetheless, so, okay, so I read that. So my take, having no idea where the book that, that came from, there's no mention in the, in the, in the Warburgs. And just as you said, they're prominent banking family, UBS. No, that's right. That, that's, that's UBS, not W. But they're like probably like one they're, they're around the level, maybe one degree less than the Rockefellers right. or, or maybe the Morgans. They're like kind of are like it's in that sort of ballpark. And so the author is like, like, hey, wait, why aren't you mentioning this huge family there? Whatever conspiracy he's talking about, he's already saying, like, I can already see how this is being framed up. How do you frame it up? You left out this you left out this big name. So now that, so what year is this book? What year did it, is it copyrighted? If you have it in front of you, 
1995. So 1995. So if I recall, that's probably right in the midst. Well, obviously it has to be in the midst of the, the X-Files run. If, if season two, they chose someone reading it. And okay, so, so just there are 50 conspiracies. Can you just read just three random titles of what they are? Just like, like just read of the chapters or however it's ever it's broken up. Absolutely. So it's broken up into parts, part one, two through six parts, I think, or 10 parts. Okay. And uh, some of the names of the chapters are CI Acid Trip, Get Castro, Apollo Scam, Saucer Blitz, The Enlightened One, The Sorcerers, The Gemstone Files, The Lost Boys, etc. Things like that. Okay. And uh, you were going somewhere, though? Before I get, no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a flavor for, for what I think, what I'm, what I'm kind of imagining how this 50 greatest conspiracies is like how they're framing up this topic. Right. And it's very, so that's what I'm trying to like, just gather on a cursory level by seeing like, you know, what they have, because what I'm really interested in is what they're going to say about, about downward. Right. And, uh, so, so yeah, so now when you're ready to go into like what, what they talked about him. Sure. So but before we leave the note, I do think that it was a little bit, it was weird the way it happened. I thought, you know how the, a note piece of notebook paper phrase at the top, like the little bound notebook piece of paper? That was sticking, Yeah, that was sticking out of the, the book. So I thought at first I'm like, oh, the book's damaged, you know? So I go and like, rub my thumb against it to see what's going on and this note i pulled it out now in hindsight after what you just said i'm starting to think maybe the note was on a specific page and i shouldn't have pulled it out so willy-nilly because yeah he was probably combing through one of these conspiracies looking for whoever the note taker was looking for or she uh looking for any evidence of connections to the Warburgs. The Warburgs are a Venetian Jewish, German Jewish family, which <laughs> Venetian and German and Jewish, that's a quite an interesting mix. But yeah, the, these people were part of the World Zionist organization. So I don't know what the motivations of the person taking the notes were, but maybe they were interested in that conspiracy theory. Now, on the point of Donner, Downard, he shows up at least where I saw him was in chapter 27 titled the sorcerers. And they talk about James Shelby Downard is one of the mad geniuses with a talent for making the most improbable, impossible, ludicrous and laughable speculations appear almost plausible. A self-described student of the science of symbolism, Downard peels away the rational veneer of history and exposes an abyss of logic-defying synchronicities. That's just the first chapter, folks. And how you mean the first paragraph? Right, right. In the right. chapter, how 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 can you read the last paragraph? Sure, it goes through. It goes through uh, the King Kill thirty-three in this mm -hmm. chapter. So it kind of takes. The next page goes bullet point by bullet point and tells you all the different facts. And then the last chapter says, As mentioned previously, we are only able to touch the most superficial aspects of the alchemical conspiracy 
made manifest in the message of James Shelby Downard. We have ignored his hint that Marilyn Monroe's death was Freemasonically inspired, in part because when she was mortal, she was subjected to sexual debauchery as the innocent are in sorcery rites. And that's a quote from James Shelby Downard. Nor have we covered Downer's argument that the advertising war between Avis and Hertz car rental corporations involves fertility symbolism. Avis and Hertz, for God's sakes, let's hope he's misguided. So they kind of take a almost like a commentative approach to James Shelby's conspiracy. As I imagine they do that for, for most of the conspiracies in the book. That that's probably how I would imagine that this book is framed up. It sounds like, you know, the the typical <laughs> you know, they're 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 framing up how they want in nineteen ninety five, think about however big you think the conspiracy quote unquote market or industry is right now. Like the number of people who are into or reading or like questioning history you know let's just you know point take whatever random number is let's say it's a let's say it's a in total sales a hundred billion dollars or a hundred million dollars a hundred million dollars and that would be in 2022 type of mentality 1995 it probably was like a like a ten thousand a ten thousand dollar industry like it was so small and so different then and so the people who um, and Shelby, when did King Kill Thirty Three come out? I want to say in the seventies. Does it does it mention that? I would imagine so, but no, it does not mention that right here in the book. I, I'm, I'm, pre- I'm pretty I'm pretty certain that that it was, and I don't even know like how it was released. I know we haven't described what King Kill Thirty Three is, but we're we're leading into it. But but one of the things which I think is going to be so interesting, or where where we can go with this is because a lot of the thought which which you and I play around with, with, which obviously the listeners play around with, Chris Knowles obviously does as well, it all comes from this James, and I, I, I always mess up his name, is it Shelly or Shelby, and it's Doward or Downard. I don't know what it is. It's, I just know it's in this we're going to kind of recognize it. But, but this guy is kind of like, if you will, the grandfather of, of a lot of this type of synchronistic thought. I mean, this predates like Goro Adachi and, and folks like that, but they're all like, you know, the patriarchs of how this particular idea type of thinking uh, comes from. So I think it's kind of important that, and that doesn't necessarily mean like everything is, he says is gospel, but we can, we can go and, and learn from him. And particularly, the, the reason it's so important is because Michael Hoffman, where we began this conversation, and Michael Hoffman's not everybody's cup of tea, I'll tell you that right now, but I find it, no matter what, it's, it's fascinating reading. But Hoffman was a direct student of, of, of Downard. And right. so we can go, and I believe the book which you have was, came out in, in 2001, prior to the events of September 11th. So those are key markers. Right. Um, did it? Uh, yes. And so it's like we can, we, as part of, part of, of like this, this thing, which you and I are doing, Mark, just kind of playing in real time with synchronicity and reality and all of these sort of things. And particularly as it certainly looks like we're going through an alchemical ritual on a worldwide Let's see what they were saying. Let's 
speak what where where our where our thought processes are today. Let's see how and where they begin. Mm, right, and that's why I loved bringing this topic up, the idea of it, and it's turned out really great. And on the point of where did that King Kill Thirty Three first surface, it was in the first edition of a man named Adam Parfait's conspiracy anthology called Apocalypse Culture. So I think it, <laughs> it fits our bill very what year? well. What year? What year did that come out? So hold on a sec. So it says here out of print since 1987, but that's not when Apocalypse Culture came out. Let me Right. Really quick, because uh, I did find that the other day. And then it's James Shelby Downerd. Downerd. So you so had it. It's right. Shelby. So Shelby. So this is how I remember. So <laughs> I'll give you a little glimpse inside my, in my mind. Names are so hard for me to remember. And if they're hard for other people to remember, it's usually because names are absolutely arbitrary. If there's a name based upon, like, you know, something legitimate, like, if I had like an enormous wart on over my left eye and, and my name was like wart over the left eye, you would always know that's friggin' me. Like it makes total sense. So like we have just like these random names. So anyway, so okay, so Shelby. I think of Shelby and there's the car Shelby and that's the snake. And for whatever reason it's it's uh, I'm thinking of, you know, the serpent's got multiple different connotations. So we're gonna go with why the serpents. And so that's how I'm gonna remember. The Shelby Downer. I haven't got the last name, so I'm not sure what it is, but it's definitely Shelby. And then what's the last name? Downer. Down as With an in N. direction. Okay. Yeah. Right, right, right. Because when you read his work, particularly if you've never been exposed to this type of thought before, it's kind of a downer. <laughs> yeah. You're like, holy shit, the world's not what I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay, so I will never, so I guarantee, I can't guarantee, but I am going to put money on my success and saying your thing correctly for at least the remainder of this call. So, okay, so let's begin. So so this dude comes out with this King Kill 33, and it came in this anthology, which is no longer available since 87, So, which probably does put it out, like, in the early 80s, late 70s sort of time frame, you know, can you walk through what King, to the best of your ability, it's been a long time since I read it, what King Kill 33 is? So we have, we have some of it here, but let me give a little breakdown. So it was an essay, again, written by James Shelby Downard, and it was, I think, made available for the 33rd anniversary of the JFK assassination. And it's very much in response to the JFK assassination, hence the name King Kill, the killing of the king ritual, and then 33, 33 degree in masonry, but also the 33rd degree line of latitude that goes through Dallas, Texas, as well as several other United States cities. So the, the you know, King Kill 33 is a series of observations made by James Shelby Downard, as you put earlier, one of the fathers of this kind of synchro mysticism. And that's kind of where Chris Knowles was bringing up the book, I think, kind of talking about it in the same vein. Yeah, obviously, as someone who inspired this synchro mystic sort of outlook, he applies that to the JFK assassination. So he says, Dallas is located just south of the 33rd degree of latitude. The 33rd degree is Freemasonry's highest rank. Yep. 
Kennedy's motorcade was rolling towards the triple underpass when he was slain by, according to some analysts, three gunmen. Three tramps were arrested right after the murder. Hiram Abiff, architect of Solomon's Temple and mythic progenitor of Freemasonry, was murdered, according to Masonic legend, by three unworthy craftsmen. The Macbeth clan of Scotland had many variations of the family name. One was McBain or Baines. Kennedy's successor was Lydon Baines Johnson. So he's also making a connection to Shakespeare's Macbeth as well. Dia in Latin means goddess. Lay in Spanish can refer to law or rule. De la Plaza was the goddess rule plaza. Blame for the assassination was a man named Oswald, explained by Downard as a Hebrew term denoting strength. Divine strength is integral in the king-killing rite. Oz was killed by Ruby, just as the Ruby slippers freed Dorothy from the land of Oz in The Wizard of Oz, which Downard writes, one may deride as a fairy tale, but which nevertheless symbolizes the immense power of ruby light, otherwise known as the laser. Very interesting. I didn't connect those dots. Dealey Plaza is near the Trinity River, which before the introduction of flood control measures, submerged the place regularly. Dealey Plaza therefore symbolizes both the trident and its bearer, the water god Neptune. To this Trident Neptune site, and now I'm thinking of our friend Scott, who was from down there in Virginia, because remember he was telling us about the Neptune symbolism he was finding down there in, in Norfolk. Virginia. Norfolk, right. To this Trident Neptune site, writes Downard, came the queen of love and beauty and her spouse, the scapegoat. In the killing of the king, right, the Sienadech, which is a Gaelic word, for ugly head or wounded head in Scotland. The Kennedy coat of arms and iconography is full of folklore. Their plant badge is an oak and their crest has a dolphin on it. Wow, okay. <laughs> I just listened to I just listened to Ross Ben, our friend, talk on Greg Carwood's podcast about the Nomo. Then I went and looked into the Nomo a little further and they're very connected to dolphins. A little bit of a tangent there, but just looking at that last night. An earlier Trinity site in New Mexico was the location of the first atomic bomb testing, explosion, chaos and synergy, breaking apart and joining together. The New Mexico Trinity sits on the 33rd degree latitude line as well. The Kennedy assassination's true significance was concealed by the Warren Commission, headed by Freemason Earl Warren with Freemason Gerald Ford, as its public spokesman. The commission drew its information from the FBI headed by Freemason J. Edgar Hoover and the CIA, which transmitted information through its former director, Freemason Alan Dulles, who sat on the commission. A decade later, Ford, when president himself, was the target of an attempted assassination in the front of the St. Francis Hotel, loca located opposite Manson Street, or I'm sorry, Mason Street, in the city of St. Francis, San Francisco, members of the Freemasonic Hall, the Hellfire Club, 
18th century London site of many a sex orgy involving such luminaries as Freemason Benjamin Franklin called themselves <coughs> Friars of St. Francis. Sorry, that I read that a little bit disjointed. So they're saying that there was a, a Freemasonic Hall in San Francisco, but also the Hellfire Club called themselves the Friars of St. Francis. They weren't actually anywhere near San Francisco, but... And it just keeps going on and on and on. Right. Let, let, me, let, me, let me pause here for, <laughs> for a moment. So, so on one level, like, I mean, I think his work is really, really interesting. But the point I was hoping to illustrate was this, like, this is how that guy was writing and thinking in the 70s. Right. And it probably is going to sound pretty familiar to all of us. Maybe not those details, but you can understand his logic sense. You can be like, oh, I see. You jump from here to here to there to there to there to there to there. And we kind of take that for granted because we've, we've, we've heard it so often from so many other people that it begins to make sense. You're like, okay, that non-linear or a higher dimensional linear type of thinking. Um, so we can see nowadays, like when this was out in the 70s and the 80s, like this, this resonated with such a small percentage of people. Like because for a variety of reasons, but so we can begin to listen to that logic and how this guy was going about and really, really deconstructing the, the, the occulted rituals, which were happening before the American public. And now like everyone who like goes and sees, who sees like an event and be like, Oh, that's a, that's a ritual. That's the opening ceremony. All of this was introduced to us from this guy. Right. Like, this is how it kind of was introduced into the public, so, uh, into the public consciousness. So there's that. When you read, when you read the Hoffman book, I want to go, I want to spend some time talking about that in a moment, but it is, it's going to be very, very evident. You're going to see in Hoffman about how he has taken the influence of Shelby Downard and and then kind of went with it in his direction. So there's, there's, there's both the ability or the, the experience of actually learning, learning from, from what these minds are, 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 are actually expressing or teaching, like the things which they're writing about, but then also learning just by seeing how they're approaching logic and how they, they come up with, with their understanding. And so the more you can see it in someone else, then it becomes a little bit more clear as to what your unique way of, of interpreting or deciphering this, this mystery that we're on. Right. So, so there's that. So I just kind of want to like say that I've got a couple of different points I want to make. So then the next one is then let's go and move this into a little bit more personal because that's what I think is so much fun about our conversations here, Mark, is is like taking theory and like synchromystic theory and then applying it into understanding one's own one's own sort of set of circumstances. So I got a bit a big thing which 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 Shelby and both Hoffman are right about is the idea of, you know, the Masons. The Masons are the ones that control this alchemical change which is going on through humanity and they're doing it amongst other ways to these occultic rituals and and so they're very very you know nowadays not as we you were saying about the warbirds like there's a lot of different quote-unquote villains in the conspiracy world 
you know, there's the, the Jewish banker cartel. And then you've got like the Masons and then you've got like the, the reptilians and, you know, theoretically they're all friggin' the same. I don't know. I mean, that's part of like the, that's part of like what the confusion that has come about, like the co-opting of, of conspiracy, even the creation of the conspiracy industry by, by the, the, the purposeful deceiver confusers. But, but nonetheless, nonetheless, I'm meeting with them in a week. Like I'm literally going down. <laughs> I'm going down into the pipe, the pipers pit. Like I mean, I don't know what to expect. I mean, realistically, I'm expecting this to be a and they're probably a little bit curious about me, and I'm curious about them, and we'll see what'll happen. You know, <laughs> I might I might say another thing. You know, after that, but but that's in my mind. And five minutes before this conversation, Mark. I got an email from the guy who I've been in communication with, and he's like, hey, just one touch base, make certain we're, we're, we're good for next week. <laughs> and I haven't spoken to him since, we, since the last time we exchanged emails in early December when this whole thing was kind of put together. I had no idea this conversation was going to unfold the way, the way it has we unfolded. So, <laughs> so, so that is kind of interesting. So I want to point that out. And there's a third point I want to put, I want to, I, I want to say before I stop is Marilyn Manson, you know, Marilyn Manson, the, you know, the, 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 what would you call that? Like a, a pop culture icon figure? Yeah. Pop rock, rocker, heavy metal. But, but he's a little, he's a little bit more than that. Like, like Marilyn Manson, like as primarily in let's, let's say it's an idea more so than as an individual or a human being. Like Marilyn Manson is like pretty far deep into the influence of the collective consciousness, not necessarily with all people, but he's got a, he's got a deep reach, a wide reach. And it's in this kind of very, very strange way. Right. Right. Like I can't, I can't think of many other popular culture symbol means mind viruses that are in the collective consciousness which are as i i, I don't even know like the, the resolution around around the and the cultic and 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 mocking and and all sorts of way ways around marilyn manson i can't really i can't really think of any and this this has this is coming from someone who really doesn't know any marilyn manson music just knowing kind of like who and what he is he did a vi- he did a song, I believe, and I'm not certain when it came out. It's it called King Kill 33, or maybe it was an album. And he did an album called King Kill 33, Mar- Marilyn Monroe, which, you know, Marilyn, exactly. or Marilyn Marilyn Manson. <laughs> Marilyn Manson, Charles Manson, Mason. So we've got all of yeah. that. So there's, so there's a little bit of a, if you think about it, in terms of like a hall of mirrors, if you're standing in a hall of mirrors and the reason it's so fucking confusing is because you see reflections of reflections of reflections of reflections, right? And so in a way, what what Shelby what Shelby Downer did when he released that book is he reflected back into the collective consciousness a a, a demystification, let's say, of the events of of, of the JFK assassination. And then Marilyn Manson, who's already like a, a twisted inversion of an inverted culture, you know, like mixing in Marilyn Monroe and, and Charles Manson into a moniker. I mean, he's already working on that level, double M, third, you know, all of this sort of stuff that goes along with that, that he then does 
take Shelby's reflection and then reflect it back again with with that fingerprint for that lens. And I'm I'm pretty certain I know like I can see it in my mind's eye that I watched. I think I, I I looked at it. I did some research the first time I became exposed to King Kill Thirty Three. And like in the video, there's a video that goes with this song, and there is a reenactment of 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 the Kennedy assassination. And I I want to say this is all by memory. There's a woman who has been like a big spokesperson. In the in the Me Too movement, she was a celebrity. Her name is Rose. Do you know who I'm talking about? Rose McGowan. Yeah, I want to say she plays she plays Jackie Onassis in the the triple reflection of Marilyn Manson telling the story of Jane Shelby Downer telling the story of what was told to the American public on November. 23rd 1963 or 22 is that i don't remember what the actual date was so so this whole thing is like so like this is this is this this is such a it's a poignant a poignant piece of of like a seed which is like really grown throughout our collective consciousness and we are on the cutting edge right now with it and i think it's really really and i guess the reason I'm, i'm really drilling into that is because when you think about what Shelby first introduced in that night in the in the seventies was this idea of there is an alchemical ritual which is happening on a collective level being driven behind the scenes and, and Shelby's like they're mocking you and you're not gonna like where it's gonna go, even though he had no idea what that could possibly be then. And now we go and look at where we are in two oh two two. And we're like, this is the most obvious alchemical ritual you can, it's almost laughable, right? Right. And yeah. so this is a good way, I think, of, of having some sort of, of, of clarity, I guess. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't seem to be, you know, something that could make sense when it was published. I mean, 33 years after jfk there still hadn't been that much change in the way media operated you know now in this super fast-paced world that we're in the past 10 years i think it's allowed for the sort of crowd analyst analysis to go down you know where people can watch these sort of tv speculations and say like oh well this is connected to this and and now you have a lot of people taking this same james shelby downard approach to uh, all sorts of events that occur yeah definitely so and, and also i mean this is as someone who who has done a decent amount of research myself the amount of how impressed i am of what was done in before the internet like any major researcher who's done any like type of like making all these sort of connections that came, their their work came out before the internet. Like all of those connections, which Shel- which Shelby Downer described, or what you read of his, you could probably figure that out more or less, or compile it like pretty or verify it, if you will, quickly on the internet, just jumping from location to location. But if this was before the internet, and you had to do this in a library, that would take so long. Well, it felt, and, it feels like, you know, with the, what I'm reading here on Michael Hoffman's site, 
that there was a sort of like, you know, underground group of these guys who were interested in this stuff and talking about this stuff. Two that are mentioned here are a philosopher named William Grimstad and then uh, a guy named Charles Saunders, who was a, a friend of close friend of Jack Kerouac. So, you know, and these are people hanging out with Jelby, Jelby, James Shelby Downard in his uh, Airstream trailer in the 70s, kind of piecing this all together. So, yeah, uh-huh. very, very, very cool to imagine, you know, what that was like. And, and it, to the point of like the field research stuff that we were talking about last week, where you're actually, you know, feet on the ground. And that's what's cool about Walter's book that I've been reading. And not to go on a totally different tangent, but I was listening to our friend Joe Roop's podcast, Lighting, but you've been on there, the radio show, and I'm listening to Walter Bosley being interviewed, and your name synchronistically came up. Joe Roop asked him a question and, you know, kind of gave him a prompt based off of something that you had told him, I guess. So that was an interesting thing for me, listening to Walter Bosley, and then you come up. Okay, so... So let's go back to you now with with the the Hoffman book. Can we go there for a moment? Sure. All right. Have, you said you've thumbed through it, right? Yes, I have it in have, front of me right now. Have you? Did you get any sort of flavor for Michael Hoffman and his just like his general approach? No, I have not. I, I can't honestly say I can give you a good. All right, so I'm gonna then I, yet. maybe next. And I'm gonna right. I'm gonna tell you what it what it what it is, <laughs> or at least the the where I came from it. And I I made a little bit of I made a little bit of a um, comment in the beginning where I said that Hoffman's not everybody's cup of tea. Right. And so one is his attitude. It can come across as pompous. It can come across as preachy. It can come across as very, very one-sided based upon his particular understanding of reality from his religious lens. Okay. Okay. And I don't say that as a critique. I'm just saying like, you know, that's just his style. You know, we all got our styles. And what I, what I think I like to do is identify people's styles, but still look at their work besides that, whether or not I agree with their style or if it resonates with me as like, you know, as someone who's got preferences. But nonetheless, so so Hoffman, so you read his book, and I've read his book probably three times, maybe, in my life. And when I first read his book, like this is like 2007, it really had a profound impact on me. And what was profound was mostly in terms of how to think as opposed to necessarily what he's thinking. That's why I was talking a little bit about like framing up how we think. Right. Okay. So the next time I read his book was pro- was in 2020, in the spring of 2020. I don't think I knew you then. It was when I was living in the church. Did, did you know me when I was living in the church? No, we, our first conversation was on my podcast. Well, besides email. But our first conversation was on my podcast almost a year ago to next month because it was, I think it was February 2021. Okay. So well, I knew so about I was, you, but you didn't know about me. <laughs> so I was in the church, I was in the church for 60 days in, I wouldn't say it was April and May of 2020, like right in the kind of early days of 
of the lockdown. And I reread that book, but I read it in a different way. I was re I was rereading another book, which was very influential into shaping how I think at that time. And that was a book by Robert Anton Wilson. Mm, someone I'm very and, familiar with. And I wouldn't say what I was reading was Prometheus Rising. You know Prometheus Rising? You know what? It's it's one of my favorite books, and I think we talked about it before. But yes, I know Prometheus so, Rising. I have a big uh, burn on the cover from many times smoking and reading it when I was younger. So I reread Prometheus Rising at the exact same time I was rereading Psychological Warfare wow. by Hoffman. And what happened was I began realizing... I began to realize I would do like one chapter in one book and another chapter in another book. And they were talking about the exact same thing. So if you can recall in that book, Prometheus Rising, and you're going to see all of me. And also you're going to see within psychological warfare, they're going to talk about a lot of the same sort of events in, in popular culture. Maybe the Unabomber, maybe like, you know, someone like that. I can't recall specifically what it is off the top of my head right now, but I began seeing this and, and looking at both of their analysis of the exact same thing, talking about the same individuals, the same sort of groups of people. And Anton Wilson came at it from a very apologetic sort of like these, these guys are the unknown, are the, un, the anonymous philosophers and the, the secret chiefs. And he's very, very, he sees the alchemical myth, the alchemical uh, process in this very positive light, whereas Hoffman sees it from a very different light. But they're describing the same thing. And so for me, that was very fascinating to see that and to juxtapose these two different analysis of the same event, but still analyzing it in this kind of synchromistic way, but from different perspectives. So that, that to me was, was, for Mike's experience, that was a lot of fun and, and I got a lot out of it. The reason why I'm bringing this up for you right now, maybe I might want to encourage you to, to do the same, not necessarily with Prometheus Rising, but maybe with the, uh, with the other book, which you're reading, the 50 Conspiracies, like to see if they overlap and just kind of get this, like not even like to, 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 to just see how they play off of each other, how the stories are told differently. And I think a lot can be gained from that. Yeah, I undoubtedly. And I think that, you know, as far as like era goes, I can say, you know, the Prometheus rising and a lot of what Robert Anton Wilson puts out has the same kind of, or put out, has the same kind of energy style. It's very like counterculture seventies. Whereas the Hoffman book, Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare being written in the nineties, as well as this the other book I mentioned by Jonathan Mencken and John Whale, they're both written in the 90s, the time when I was born. So, yeah, I think that might be a good uh, good thought experiment to take on those books at the same time. It might be. It, and, and, think about, and think about yourself because you're like on the cutting edge of this type of thought. Yeah, on, I, I guess I stumbled upon the, <laughs> the cutting room floor, so to speak. <laughs> So I think that 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 would be I'd be intrigued to hear how that unfolds with you because it's you know it's half the fun of 
of of this game which we're playing is is the discovery undoubtedly yeah i agree well i have a a couple little synchronicities but i know you have some other things too is there something brimming that you want to bring up right now or can i get into a synchronicity get into yours get into yours all right so i mentioned the one about the 50 greatest conspiracies smaller one came up where a guy whose is his first name starts with an r but his last name is easeby right and he he uh, reaches out and he starts recommending walter bosley which i thought that was interesting that his name was easeby and here comes bosley you know he's, he's telling me about oh you gotta listen to this you gotta listen to this so i get up to speed on that and then shoot now i'm forgetting the the bigger one that was just the the warm-up <laughs> where am i going with this well all right so i got a, a couple of emails that were interesting one of them came from and this isn't the synchronicity but this will help me remember one of them came from italy and i know it came from italy because the message comes in four parts right it comes in like an italian version uh, english version and then it has like some other parts to it personal email like sent to you specifically right 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 in italian which i you know i i guess folks listen to the show in italy yeah they speak english there too so shout out to you guys but but it was so interesting because it came you know around that same time that we recorded our last conversation or maybe even before that and i just didn't bring it up but we talked about the Nordics, right? And we talked yes. about these sort of human-looking alien beings that maybe even are a part of sort of like parallel or breakaway societies on this earth. And he reaches out and he says, and this is a very, very long message with not the best punctuation, so I'm just going to... I read the whole thing on my podcast, but I just want to like hit you with the main points so he goes on to say all kinds of really nice stuff and then he says hello brother you have wild spirits of creation of nature free to exist in everywhere and when of life chemistry of our body soul of everything alchemy of the history of souls alchemy that never stops fighting for its existence and then i perceive transmutate or no hold on <laughs> I I want to condense this, but as I'm reading it, I'm like, I should just go through the whole thing. So here we go. Our freedom of thought, continuous evolution of our being, matter, as you well know. Imagine my mind. There are forces above all nature that regulate the instincts of our nature being. Cosmic laws, vibrational laws, laws of thought, laws of divine will. Brother, I want to tell you about your evolution and understanding of our body soul which exists everywhere and when part of what i have lived and what i am experiencing the perception of the reality of the multi-dimensions is out of every reach of imagination in the per in the present i perceive transmutations of reality transmigrations determined only by souls and by god continuous astral and soul interconnections by our spirits transpositions of mental waves continuous interconnections with the voice of the multiverse intergalactic brotherhood spirits guide us towards the light every soul is guided by its ancestors and by the white brotherhood towards the substantial evolution of the idea of will 
of the will of love, of existence, of creation, etc., etc., etc. And then he goes on to say that he saw the Madonna in LDS. I don't know if that means acid or if it means Latter-day Saints. Uh, and then he says, <laughs> two years later, I had an out-of-body experience, only detachment of the soul, admission to psychiatry, hard and intense, 17 days of restraint, devoid of consciousness and my soul. I thank the will of God for making me what I am and what I choose to be. After definite transcendental and paranormal experiences with my psyche and my soul, I have, and this now it's in capital letters, I have developed ESP powers out of my control. Real inner awareness about the functioning of certain realities invisible to your senses, but perceptible by my senses. And then he asks me, what do you think about simulation theory? <laughs> and that's, and then there's, and then there's some, some pictures of angels and, uh, and I just don't know what to think. And I don't want to, you know, make a joke of this person because I, I appreciate them listening. But at the same time, I, I was a little flabbergasted. And I've heard of the White Brotherhood before. It's not. Uh, it's not anything racist. It's. It's supposed to be a, a spiritual thing. But when you hear that, you're like, White Brotherhood. What the heck is this? But it's connected to Madame Blavatsky. And yeah, they seem to be some sort of uh, psychic or something, and and they're getting in touch with me. So I don't know what to do, Mike. Hold on. So the White Brotherhood getting in touch with you, or or from the or the person who sent the email. This is an ambassador of the White Brotherhood. So that and so that was the purpose of why he's reaching out and he said all of that because he's the ambassador and he recognizes that you are also or you're being you're being met by them. Well, he says he says exactly, I thank the thought and the will of souls like you. I thank the voices of the souls of the past and the future that flow into reality. Would you like me to tell you something about yourself mm. <laughs> after he asks about simulation theory so that it seems like it's more of a invitation to talk so i said i would love to talk to you but i i, I meant over the phone but i don't know maybe there's a language barrier and then they got back to me with them equally strange and confusing message and they asked me why i'm interested in all this information so <laughs> i'm like well you messaged me so yeah i i i'm curious to hear how that unfolds for you yeah the, if i recall correctly you you'll you'll you come across the white brotherhood uh, within anton wilson's work as well and yet yeah, it, it tends to have a theosophical association right the theosophical society and then particularly the whole thing of do you know who the tibetan is as in like a Tibetan monk, or is this a specific person? Yeah, it's with a capital T. Within theosophy, there's that's the name of the person who, who or the entity who Alice Bailey channeled. If you've ever seen like the blue book um, of the Lucis Trust, it all comes from the Tibetan. But that that's also overlaps with the White Book Brotherhood. It's, it's in my opinion. I don't, know, I don't know what to make of it. Right. Well, it exists in this kind of like weird side world that was counterculture, but also kind of like the UF, UFO community mixed with the 
spiritual, apocalyptic Christian stuff. I mean, I don't know. I just, I'm fascinated by it, but I sent you the picture of what this person looks like, according to them. And uh, it that's kind what of, they... <laughs> according to them. And that's what, that, that, that's what your story last week kind of reminded me of, like when, when you were telling or describing what these out of world or otherworldly looking people looked like kind of blonde hair, blue eyes, pale skin, just like this person that reached out to me. So I don't know, but this is, you know, an artist rendering. So obviously that, that could be I, some fool. Uh, and I think I've seen that image or similar images like that one before, but, but it's funny you say that because that, that just made something pop in my mind. I saw, was it yesterday or two days ago? Well, okay. So, so let me take a step back there. You made reference to that synchronicity, which, which I shared with you the other day. So let's, let's introduce that into the mix. Can we? Yeah. And, uh, chance as well. Shout out to chance. He, he, he messaged me, you know, the day before that happened saying, Hey, I was at the gym listening to your handbook for the apocalypse. And I was lifting 35 pound weights as Mike was describing his 35 pound weight of pennies you know he texted me that and then you know i think the next day you mentioned that to both of us which you know v became relevant to that story as well because i think he shared that with you afterwards yes 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 so okay so so this is going to tie into what the other guy said too so like this is <laughs> this is kind of fun all right so i got I received an email from from someone. I get, I don't know, like a handful of emails a day, probably like you do, from just people who are familiar who listen to, to me talk or what have you. And, um, and I tend to, there's certain things which I pay attention to when, when, when messages come into. And, and one of the things which I noticed was this one person I sent, they sent a, a message and their initials were SF. And about an hour later, I get another email from another person whose name was, who had the initials SF. I'm like, all right, you know, that's, you know, I just, I just like to notice those things. Like, you know, everyone likes to notice that stuff. So I, I, I look and I see like the messages are all, are kind of similar, like in the general sense. And that kind of makes sense, I guess, because, of, you know, they're going to be responding to maybe something which they heard me say. So it's going to be, in in a vein which which originated from the same point so, okay that that kind of makes sense but then one of the guys he then sends me tips and i love it when people send me tips i mean the best uh and he sent me a tip for a hundred bucks he sent me a tip for a hundred bucks and you know it's like that's a cool thing and i'm grateful and all of that other stuff but then the ss guy sends me a tip for ten dollars so now I've got like this SS and I've got this, it's coming at the same time. And then they're separate sort of emails and they're factors of each other. In fact, like 10 times 10 is, is, is a hundred. And I'm like, and this is what goes on in my mind. This is, the, this is, this is how my mind works. I'm like, this is all digital. Like, I don't know these people. Like for all I know, I'm not, I'm not saying they don't exist, but that potentiality and like the tips are digital, like it comes through PayPal. And and there was one other thing: the emails came twenty two minutes apart. Did you mention that? Maybe you mentioned. No, I did not. I did not mention that. They came twenty two minutes apart. All these sort of things. 
And so, like, I'm like, what is this? What, is, what am I looking at? Like, I'm not, like, necessarily saying this is uh, – if there was a for – what, for whatever reason, like, whether it's a conscious entity or something else, but I'm like, if there is something, like, which we are calling AI, which is then giving each of us through the, media, the medium of the internet, like, this algorithmic sort of, of – of exchange like i don't know like you know i'm like is this happening like this is this a glitch in the system was i only supposed to get one of them or are supposed to are they parallel all these things are going on in my mind so i'm like all right so this is what i'm gonna do i can see with paypal each of their 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 billing addresses because that's what happens when you get like you know when you get a payment through paypal it gives you the billing address of the person who who sent it and i put both of those addresses in google earth and, I, and then I did a line connecting the two. And I was like, I want to go and see where this goes. And I go and I look and it's probably it, this line crosses, misses my house by like four or five miles. Right. And what's also funny is it went directly over the place which I was talking about last week, my friend Zach's place. Right, and also and, the area that I looked at in uh, PA that I had that funny phone call with the woman. I think that was after our episode ended. I mentioned that, but Delta PA in, in, near Sunnyburn there. Exactly. So I'm like, all right, let me go see if this goes near Mark's house. So that's why I sent you that text. I'm like, you live in Milford, <laughs> right? Because I'm pretty certain. And sure enough, it, it goes like, you know, it's probably – you know, 15 miles away from Milford, you know, it's that line, like of all the lines, of all the places it could have been, like it just so happened to hit, be the line which both mine, that connects mine and your house. Well, I don't, I don't want to rain on the parade. It's, it's not quite 15 miles. It's more like a 45 minute drive, but it is running through a part of the state that not only did Tara and I find the heron, the great blue heron we found along that line that's connecting the two places, but it's also right near a place that I grew up sort of in because my aunt and uncle live up there and I would go and visit them very often. Right, right. Well, it's, well that, that's a, still very close. But then uh, remember, when we're talking about the lines, we don't want to go by, by drive times because drive times have all sorts of variables. True. The most, uh, True. The most, the most important one is they're not the direct path. You take your point and you want to draw the perpendicular to the line because that's going to be the shortest distance. At least that's how I go about my <laughs> my Google Geomancy. You know, that's that's my my way of doing it. But nonetheless, but yes, it like it hits both of these sort of things. So then I'm like, oh, and this is I don't know what the hell this means. I'm still wondering, is this all AI? But then but then I go and I think about that chance, that chance email, because the chance email I think came maybe an hour earlier. And then I was like, holy shit, he's talked about the penny. In fact, it was Jenny. It was Jenny who pointed that out. So, so I was telling the story to Jenny, and, and I did make the connection with Chance because uh, I think she's actually going to go on Chance's show tonight, of all things. And she's like, and remember, the pennies are like .01, and there are also silver dollars in there, which are one. So now we've got all of these increments in this, like, you know, made-up idea of money, or the most fake money, too. We've got, um, we've got silver dollars, which, you know, if you want to say that there is an intrinsic value in, in silver, I'm like, okay, that's at least a little bit more intrinsic than, than fiat money. But like, okay, we have that. 
And then all the pennies are wheat pennies. They're specifically wheat pennies, which means that they're, 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 they're uh, content of what they're made by. I don't know. I am assuming it's copper, but there's a, enough of the copper. What makes a wheat penny unique is the fact that their value for their, mi- for their mineral content is greater than one cent. So like they actually have an intrinsic value mm-hmm. greater than their, their, their numerical value. And then we've got like this total fake money coming in from like PayPal, you know, and, and, you know, it just, so all of that stuff was in play. And, and then we hit the 35 and, and all, and, and then the chance and, you know, by chance that all this, this happens. Right. So the reason why I don't have like a conclusion when, when something like that pops in my life, this is just how Mike feels with anybody who's curious. It's like, I just kind of pay, pay note to it because it's a slippery slope and this is purely subjective. The slippery slope for me is I will still be able to relate to to a larger group of humanity to communicate with them, and the and I say this in the most respectful way. A lot of the 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 words and phrases which were expressed from our friend in Italy, like I would imagine that from his experience, it, it it's he finds it difficult to relate to people like they're on a different, they're on a different frequency for lack of a better word. And so, so I try to go and I don't want to go that far deep. And so I'm just like, I think this is really interesting. I'm just going to put this on the back burner on the back burner and just say like, this is a fun little story to point out of, you know, along our path. Maybe there's more to it. Maybe there's less. I don't know. But when this guy says at the very end, like after that whole preamble, all of that information about the about the 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 multiverses and the the brotherhood of man and all of this sort of stuff. His last question, like the the point of it all, is so. What do you think about simulation theory? Right. And I'm back to I'm back to the idea. I'm like, who are these SSs? You know, I know from my Nazi history that I don't like the sound of the SSs. That doesn't have a good connotation. But I also know that that a lot of that symbolism has been flipped around. So that's where I'm sitting with this story right now. Right. Right. Well, this person's first name starts with an S, but they did not include their last name. So or maybe their last name is here. It just looks like a middle name, but it's not an S. So but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it either, but I think you make a good point because there is this sort of danger and whether that's your, you know, you're putting your social credibility at risk, but there is this sort of danger to going too far into making a connection out of every single thing. And I think that's why, you know, when we read towards the beginning, 50 greatest conspiracies, they kind of said that about James Shelby Downard, about how he could make the most improbable, impossible things connect. And, you know, I think the average person, you know, they're going to just hear the improbable and not even go any further. You know, they're, they're just going to be turned off by maybe the first connection you make. And unfortunately that might, lead to you not being able to relate to people you know it might not be that extreme where you're telling people you're from a you know galactic brotherhood but it's definitely yeah it's it's something you want to keep close to your chest at least that's how i felt for the longest time when i was a delivery guy like i i wanted to tell everybody about this but anytime i tried there would be this sort of disappointment because i would inevitably either 
I don't know, say the, say the wrong, you know, say it the wrong way, you know, give someone the, maybe the wrong impression, or they just weren't interested in learning about whatever it was, you know, at that time it was the masks and everything weren't in play yet. So there was this sort of freedom, you know, 2018 and 2019, where I was trying to wake people up subtly. And yeah, here we are now where we've become divided but i'm going all over the place i'm rambling save me mike throw me a, a left raft so, so so no i think you brought up and and kind of looped it back to to what we are have been talking about today and so there, there are a couple things there's like you know it's talking about we were i talked about the history of this type of of thought this 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 connection in reality and then um, and being able to think differently than how our minds have been melded. I mean, in the most literal sense, uh, the Masonic mortarboard, which sits on top of your head when you graduate high school, is, is the symbol of you have gone through the process in order to see to see reality in a in this way, it literally, we, we've squared the circle and we've turned the mind into a block. And the reason why we want blocks is because now we can go and build from them. We can stack them. It's literally, you know, no matter how you want to look at it, that's the freaking truth. And when you begin to break out of that and to become free, at least sovereign, uh, mentally sovereign, meaning like you could think however the fuck you want. And you could come up with whatever story, as long as it kind of makes sense. Like, you know, we have that, you know, that's our birthright in a way of being human, of having this type of thought process. So then how do we go and we, we juxtapose, juxtapose these sort of different things? And like, where does the rubber meet the road? How do you live your life? What are you going to do? And there's like, as you said, there's the time before where we are now, like the 2018, 2019 and where we are now. And I think that's a very, very personal decision which people need to make. And I don't think that most people realize that they're making a decision when we're going down this path. And so what, what, what this decision comes or part of what needs to be managed is, you know, what are, what are your unique values, particularly as it relates to, to, to other people in your life, because there is a there is a very legitimate path of being like F them all. Like I'm gonna go off into the quote unquote or literal wilderness and I'm living on my own as a hermit. And the beauty of it is I don't have to worry about a single like I get to be how I want to be. I literally get to have my own unique relationship with reality because I don't have to go and explain all this sort of shit to people. And there's somewhere in between that and then breaking free of the box mentality of how things operate, you know, is where we find ourselves. I described to you where my personal at this moment line is, is like, I still want to be relatable. I still like people. I like being around people. And I don't want to, and I still want to be able to exchange. So I know where that line is for how slippery I'm going to go with it. And so each person, as we go down, because this is what we've been talking about today, is like understanding our thought process and realizing there's so many different ways to interpret or create the stories that we are uncovering through seeing the interconnectivity of all of life. Like that is a truth. Like, I think it's bullshit when the, 
when the the author of the 50 greatest conspiracy theories makes light of James Shelby Downard's ability to show these connections. That is a truth of reality. What's not what, what, what is a subjective reality is how comfortable a person is with seeing these connections. And then also it's like, well, what do you do with once you see these connections? So that's what I think is if we were to go and say, what was the what was the theme of today's conversation? What was the point of it? That's what I would say we talked about. And like, you know, if there was anything which people may want to take from it, that would be it. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I definitely pointed that out because I don't agree with it either. He says it's a laughable. He says specifically, James Shelby Downard is one of the mad geniuses with a talent for making the most improbable, implausible, ludicrous, and laughable speculations appear almost plausible. So in a way, it seems like a slight, but in a way, it seems like a, I don't know, like a, a compliment where he feels like he's trying to censor himself or even censor James Shelby Downard who knows but whatever that is you're absolutely right that line is very like there are many layers and implications in that syntax you're 100% correct with that um especially coming from a book that has the creator of (laughs) X-File X-Files who put a blurb you know on the back so at the very least these authors were you know, aware of the X-Files and uh, maybe even participating in it. So that's interesting considering all the predictive programming that people say is in that show. So what's interesting is I've never watched the X-Files. I've never seen a single episode of the X-Files. I, I too am not like a big X-Files person. I remember when I was a kid and just being like glued to the TV for some period of my life. It came up a couple times and I watched it, but I never got it, you know, because I was probably only eight or nine. But yeah, that was that was about it. I remember feeling like um, interested, but I just it just didn't like it didn't offer anything to me at that state of mind where I could like latch on to. So it it only kind of came back in hindsight like, oh, yeah, I did watch that, but Then I remember, you know, as I got more and more into conspiracies and whatnot, some people would reference it and say like, oh, well, they predicted this there. And so I always had the the kind of feeling to go back and and watch it. But it wasn't until this book, at least, (laughs) where I actually took that seriously. But yeah. Yeah. So so. All right. So I I I got something else I want to bring up in our conversation. Let's do it. And I don't remember if I discussed this last week or not, but did I talk to you about the Talakiel's friend who also was in Wrightsville, Pennsylvania by High Point? Let's get into that because we did talk about it, but I feel like we, you know, we didn't give it enough time to get into it fully. So, yeah, let's talk about it. So the long and short of it was, the long and the short of it was was that a bunch of synchronistic events occurred in December for me having to do with the petroglyph and the solstice. And one of the things that came out of all of these these, these synchronicities and is a, a character. I call him a character because I've never met him, but by Tlachiel, who was uh, a Tolteca... Chimienka, I think that's how I pronounce it. Elder was particularly interested in the 
petroglyphs in the Susquehanna River. And I had known that and he had come here quite a few times and I had heard that story. But then what was new and what came out of uh, those synchronistic events of this past December was the reason why Talakiel was coming here was because there was another elder who had left Mexico at some point in time and relocated to this area. And that was, that was a, a big, like, okay, that, how does that change things sort of, of, of question, which I had for myself, particularly because in like the local, in the local gossip mills, if you will, of, of, of ceremony life around the Susquehanna river at the 40th parallel, there are some stories about some individuals in this area, which kind of seem to tie into like, well, into like the Talakiel line, but it never really made like added up. And this one piece of the puzzle, like, you know, this could have been, this may be connective tissue. I don't know. And I don't want to go into the details with that because it's, it's kind of hearsay and gossipy stuff. And I don't want to talk about that, but nonetheless, like it hit on all these different levels. So it's like, I talked about that to you last week, and I think I talked about it to Emily on another show, and I've been talking about it to a lot of people in my personal life, and so that has been in my mind. So just yesterday, just yesterday, I was, I got like a a notification on my phone, and it's weird how I get notifications on my phone. Like sometimes I get notifications that, that there has been activity on Instagram, sometimes I don't, and I got one that said I had some activity on Instagram. So I I looked at it and said that someone liked a a picture or something. And I looked at the name and I looked at the name and the name was Neo Talakiel or New New Talakiel. And I'm like, what? And so I go and I open it. So I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go check this out. And I go and I, I look at the, the, what do you call it? The profile of the person. And to the best of, of, of my 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 ability like so all all of the it was written in spanish the any sort of words that were associated with this with this person i'll tell you about the person in a moment and i didn't go deep enough to go and google translate or anything like that but i see what looked like a young man probably in his 20s and i couldn't necessarily make out what what it was all about like is this like the you know is this like just some kid calling himself like you know on a a a, a an american parallel a young, some young kid calling himself the new pope or is this like am i seeing something of of greater significance like you know or is this like you know an ai thing going back to that again but but i see this guy it's the new talakiel the picture that he liked was a post I put on Instagram probably um, within the first three or four months of me ever being on Instagram, which was probably 2017 time period. I was a little bit late to the game there, which I don't know where, I guess maybe he was searching the name. I don't know, but it was an image of, so, so that could be just the reason why it came about, but but it came right after all of this Palakiel talk, which I had been having in my in my personal life. So, so that has been happening. I want to share that with you and hear what your thoughts are. I'm really wondering uh, if this person is, you know, 
aware and out there and maybe even listens to what you have put out, you know, maybe through the YouTube channel. But yeah, no, I mean, other than <laughs> I'm just kind of combing through the Instagram to see if I could find the picture of Talakiel, at least for the sake of our artwork for today's episode. But yeah. I would, yeah, it, I'm trying to think how it would probably be towards the bottom and it had a green background with, there was a picture of him with a lot of text. I think that's what you'll find would be towards the bottom early days. Okay. Or you could probably even search. I think it's spelled T-L-A-K T-L-A-K-A-E-L. Well, that's why I was, I was not typing it incorrectly, but either way, <laughs> we'll, we'll find it. Yeah, I so think, what, yeah, go ahead. So what I also find paralleled in this, what I found paralleled in this was, so a lot, a lot of my personal interest in research is at this specific location of the Susquehanna River and the 40th parallel. And in the research aspect, part of this, what, what intrigues me so is that these seemingly disconnected groups from different parts of the world are both interested in the same location. And for either the same reason or for, or, or, for, or for competing reasons, I don't know. But I see this primarily from the, what I'll call the Francis Bacon, Rosicrucian, Freemasonic perspective. And then also this, this Toltec, Talakiel perspective. They both intersect at this point. So I have a, a, a definite... <laughs> thing to add so all right so last night i was talking to someone who you're familiar with you've spoken to him before on the grimerica show darren grimes he yeah he just came out with a book called a canadian shame so i had him on the show to talk about his book and you know we got into several different things but i we did kind of touch on just native american history and culture in general and I asked him about, well, one point I asked him about what he thought of, of the significance of place. And I kind of used you as an example of someone who's researched that. But when he started telling me about the Mohawk creation story in a kind of tangential way, he mentioned that when he did his ancestry through ancestry.com, he found out that even though he was like 3%, Ojibwe and then you know some percent of whatever his uh, mother is I guess or, or father some no mother I'm not sure his exact genealogy but most of his genealogy was Mesoamerican right so and that is something that him and his friend Kyle DeLille are looking into and there's a lot of stuff with the Mohawk creation story that connects them possibly to uh, Mesoamerica so I brought up the Talakiel connection for to kind of corroborate what he was saying. But yeah, definitely a lot of interest. And he was saying that, you know, it's it's probably the case that this younger Dryas period happened. There was all this ice up in North in North America. And when the ice receded, the people in, you know, South America and Mesoamerica went northward. And that's why the further north you go, the less less settled people were. 
Hmm. Interesting. That was last night we had that conversation. So that was so that was last night. And then and so for whatever reason, whomever, whatever this Neo Talakiel is, like there was a little there was a connection. There wasn't any sort of communication besides just like I saw that there was a light. But to see that name, but this corresponds also as I mentioned earlier, like, you know, what's up with with this with this presentation, like I'm, I'm presenting what I'm going to be presenting to this group of individuals next week is I'm very interested to see how it's going to be received. I'm very interested in how it's going to be received, but that had been called forth to me, you know, that, that they're like, Hey, I want to hear this. Like it's coming. It's, it's, it's me as maybe the person with the feet on the ground at, at this location, like, it's these connections are, are coming through at the same time and place. And so, so I'm finding that interesting. And, and then also coupled with, if you recall that experience I had on top of high point, the same location, the case, the location and point on the solstice with, with that whole sort of rose, rose cloth ceremony. So yeah, the next, I'm excited to report back to you to see what happens. Now, I want to ask, do you think that anybody that's participating in that meeting is possibly aware of this podcast and listening to this podcast? Anything's possible. <laughs> so, so maybe we can't get into what you're going to present because we don't want to give anything away, but but I, I'm so curious to know what you're going to talk about. Oh, I don't like to give anything away. I'm going to be telling... So I have... I'm about an hour. And if you've ever seen one of my live, my live talks, like I go, I like two hours, like I just stop just because it's too much for anyone, but it just goes on and on and on because there's, because for two reasons, one, there is so much information, which like really supports this idea of the Susquehanna mystery. So like there's this desire to want to go and tell all of this sort of stuff. And then secondly, what is being, what is being suggested to someone who has not really engrossed themselves in this type of thought is just going to sound preposterous. And so like the old idea of like, you know, incredulous claims require incre uh, incredible evidence. Like, you know, I give all of this information. So that being said, I got one hour. I got one hour. So I, I'm being very, very thoughtful in terms of what I want to present i'm also curious like you know i got the it could go either way the i i i kind of got the impression that the person who reached out to me was not quite as familiar with my work as they implied which makes me wonder like did someone ask someone who maybe was asked him i don't know so for whatever reason like for whatever the logical reasons which which came to my invitation so this this came in i don't know who who i'm walking into but in this one hour presentation what i plan to do is the first part is very specific just talking about the john smith map who it's connected to the location and then showing how it ties into high point scenic this and the invisible college which it is surrounded by because all of those all of those data points are so tangible it's like when you see it with your own eyes you're like 
I don't know what this means, but that is really happening. And it's just too much to just be coincidence. So that is how I will begin it. And then the second half, I'm going to go straight to really the, 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 the conclusion of what I think it's all about, which is the entire water system of what we think of as the Susquehanna River, which is quite possibly and arguably the oldest flowing water system on earth had been used in a 400 year ritual to bring globalism what we know of as like globalism right now computer technology and three wire distribution of electricity onto onto earth through the use of the nokian magic and so like that's like a that's like a that's a that's a big pill to swallow and so i'm going to be dumping all of that i'm going to show you exactly why that is the logical conclusion which which one would come to when you look at all of the data. And so that's what I'm going to be um, discussing in this, in this presentation. Okay. Right on. Well, yeah, I definitely uh, wish you luck, and I hope everything goes well. I don't know. That is interesting to get that sort of feeling from them. I feel like I feel that way sometimes when I'm reaching out to guests who um, are suggested by the fans of Tinfall Hat, you know, because people will be like, oh, this person's great. You got to get them on. And sometimes I'm I'm busy. So I spend 10 minutes looking into them and then email them. And I'm like, ah, this person's going to know I'm a phony. I haven't looked into their work, but eh, a lot of people are, are, are more, uh, you know, they're more generous with, with their time than you might expect, but cool. I, I can't believe I forgot this, but the synchronicity that I was thinking of before I, I f remember now, I know you said you don't have the most time. You think we got time to get into that? Yes, we do. Cool. So, and yeah, like I said, much luck. I hope it, it goes well. And I don't know what well means, <laughs> right? Well, in this like, context, I, yeah. yeah. How, like what? How do uh, these meetings normally go? <laughs> so, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what the, the, the motivation for me is, is I'm really curious to see how this is received. Like, are there going to be nodding heads? Are there going to be questions? Or is there going to be engagement or, or, you know, all of that sort of stuff? My thought is that there's going to be blank, blank stares. No offense to you just because my paranoid conspiratorial mind is going here, uh, there's going to be blank stares. You're going to be escorted out of the building, and then a guy is going to walk out of a room, and he's going to yell at them and say, you see what I mean? They figured it out. Now let's go, you know, and just, you know, whip these guys into shape because all their secrets are they're doing a bad job keeping them under wraps when guys like you are on the, you know, on the case. But still, I don't think that's going to happen. That would be fun. My my senses, I can be totally wrong, is that just as we all do, there's a perspective of reality, a point of view which they have. And there are and, and you know you know this as well as I do. When you start looking at the mystery, you just see the, the, the more questions you ask, just the deeper it goes. And my guess is maybe not exactly expressed 
in the way which I'm going to be framing up all of the information. But from their point of view, it's going to answer some questions. Right. Right. And, and there's this, and I, I talk, my, my, my presentation is, I don't quite hold, I don't quite hold the posture of a Michael Hoffman, how he would look at Freemasonry. But, you know, <laughs> I probably talk some shit, you know, or it could be defined <laughs> that way. And so I don't plan on not being authentic or in integrity with, with my belief. But then at the same time, like, you know, I'm also like, you know, I'm curious where these people are. Like, I don't, I don't think like I'm, I'm meeting with like they're, they're high ranking Freemasons, but I don't think I'm meeting with like, you know, Rockefeller type people who, who pull the strings at the council and foreign relations, you know? So like, I think these are just guys who are interested and have questions, but I don't know. I don't know. Like, this is where, this is like, this is going to be. A, for Mike personally, you know, for me as like an individual who's like, all right, let's go. Let, this, this is an experiment. This is a rubber meets the road for me. Like what really goes on behind these closed doors? Will I even, will I even ascertain anything? Cause what very well might happen would be just as what you're saying also, Mark is like, there's going to be blank stairs and it's blank stairs because it's a poker face or it's blank stairs because they're confused or it's blank stairs because it, you know, it could be anything. So, so I think that's a real possibility also, yes. but I won't get any feedback. Well, yeah, I, the poker face, that's exactly what I was trying to allude to maybe poorly, but yeah, that's, that's my thought is that you're like a freelance agent that they're like, well, we're going to hire this guy to teach you guys some stuff, but we can't exactly uh, tell him what's going on. Right. So who well, knows? I, I, that That's probably what I think it may be. Or like, let's go look. Uh, so, so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's going to be, I'm very intrigued. I'm very intrigued. Well, all right, so I'm gonna take okay, it. Okay, so we got time for that. Yeah, for you've got you've got the synchronicity. Let's go into that. I'm gonna take it back because this did kind of come up in our conversation. You asked me if we had known each other in 2020, and the answer was no. But obviously, I was aware of you through the work that you do and through the many conversations you've had on various podcasts. And a big one for me was the higher side chats. You know, listening to the full two-hour conversation. I've always been a supporter, that whole thing, getting all the information. It was like a, a spiritual experience, you know, driving in my car and listening to podcasts. And I especially loved going on, you know, long journeys because that just makes more room for listening to great podcasts. So I told you about this story probably a couple times, but I drove down to Virginia to drop my Egyptian friend off in at the airport, you know, and I made my way through Pennsylvania for the first time in my life, that area of Pennsylvania, and I drove up Route 15, right? So I came from sort of Virginia through Maryland on, yeah, and I went on 83. I'm looking at the map. <laughs> so I have, have it right here. So I went on 83, somewhere around 83 from Maryland towards York. And then I went along the Susquehanna River on Route 15. And 
What's interesting why this connects to now and what happened yesterday is I was listening to the higher side chats as usual and Greg recently updated the RSS feed. So now some really old episodes from the earlier days are available in the RSS feed. So I was going back and listening to one by a guy who you might be familiar with because he's kind of a Pennsylvania paranormal radio host guy. Have you ever heard of Lon Strickland? Lon Strickler? Lon Strickler, no. So Lon is kind of like a, a paranormal researcher and he went on this show, Higher Side Chats, to talk about the Chicago Owlman sighting, talk about various flying humanoid sightings. And as usual, you know, Greg gets into all kinds of interesting stuff in the second hour. And one thing that came up was this case of, of the strange death of Todd Sees. Have you ever heard of this guy, Todd Sees, S-E-E-S? No, S-E-E-S? Right. No. So Todd Sees disappeared on his four-wheeler somewhere near Sunbury, Northumberland, PA, which, as you know, that's the fork, right, of the Susquehanna that's River. That's the key spot. That's the key spot. And that's where I went on my, on my little trip. And people can go, if they're on my Instagram, they can go back and look. They'll see I took a picture of the sign for Shimokin Dam because I thought just that was a f hilarious name for a dam. And um, I think we talked about the history of that at one point. But yeah, so this spot is kind of significant in my mind because I've been there. You know, I kind of have a little bit of a recall of what it looks like. And, and I think that's definitely synchronistic. But this guy disappeared in this area. Snydertown specifically was where he was four-wheeling. But I think he was from Sunbury and... Yeah, some of the strange points about the case are that the body was never uh, allowed to be seen, like they, the family was never allowed to see the body. There was no blood reportedly left in his body when they found him. And one of the witnesses who, and all the witnesses who went out to like look for the body, they got rounded up and brought to the firehouse and told by men in black suits that you're never, you know, you don't, you didn't see anything. You don't know what happened. Right. And so when did this happen? This was in, sorry, let's see. This was 18 years ago from 2018. So this was like the, the nineties, two thousands. Let's okay. see. Yeah. The, let me see there, this website. I'm reading the kind of backstory off of doesn't have the, the date, but I could probably find it. But yeah, so he, okay, I was just I I I had a general time frame where he said on the four, you know, he had to have had it been recent enough that there were there were vehicles. So okay, and so um, and you were listening to this podcast for the you hadn't heard this one before, is that correct? Right. Last night I was listening to it, and I'm like, oh crap, they're talking about the Susquehanna, they're talking about Lancaster County, and and yeah, this is uh, what was he saying about Lancaster? Well, I guess this kind of is connected to Lancaster County, not Lancaster specifically, but Lancaster County is they're they're kind of interchangeable. Okay, so yeah, I I mean I probably need to go back now and now I'm curious. 
If you if you get that information, I'm curious to know what what else he was talking about because there's lots of particularly if it's going to be UFO stuff. I've never heard of like abduction UFO stories tied to Lancaster. Well, that's why I wanted to bring it up. And then there's also sightings of dogmen and wolfmen that are apparently there as well. And I know that was being talked about. Again, I gotta go back and listen to so it. So there is. <laughs> You've heard there is. So I'm wondering if this is going to be it. This is going to be it. There is a a cemetery in Lancaster, like which is ha, is known as if you you know like Halloween, like all the local newspapers always do, like the hidden haunted places in whatever your your locality would be. And so, and Lancaster is is kind of like a a haunting sort of area, like in terms of, you know, it's old and right. people like to talk about ghosts and stuff. So same vibe so, up uh, here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like all the, exactly. Same. Exactly. So any place with a lot of like history tends to have that. So one of the, one of the, the legends is that there's this one, I think it's called Hans Graf Cemetery. And there is a wolf man or there's like, there's like multiple sightings of this wolf this wolf person and, and and the reason why that is intriguing or i'm curious if that's the one because that cemetery was right by where i live and i used to go to that cemetery a whole bunch like i like to look at old cemeteries sometimes if i'm out walking and i always thought that was strange that i was caught that 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 was of you know i haven't been that many cemeteries but that was one of the ones i went to and so i'm wondering if that story i never took it too seriously, like in terms of local legends, but if that's the one the guy's talking about, that would definitely tickle me. Well, I definitely will send you the link, and I'm going to go back and, and find out maybe at what point they talk about in that conversation, but I found the the a more precise or concise case file for Todd C. So it happened in 2002, August 4th, 2002, and, and one of the things that was I left out just there <clears throat> was after all of these witnesses were told, you know, hey, you're not allowed to talk about this and don't talk about what we found. Apparently a, a case or a story, one of these stories that this investigator, you know, one of the witness reports rather, was that they saw his body floating up into a spacecraft like uh, lifeless, you know, and uh, so yeah. Dark, weird, definitely UFO-related stuff happening in your own backyard, Mike. So, and the dogman thing doesn't surprise me because isn't the werewolf like a? It's like a sort of European, German, even myth, and and there's a lot of German folks. And you know, I'm not saying that it's purely mythological, but there is something to that. You know, when people come, their folklore follows them, and maybe the the monsters that haunt the liminal space join them too on the journey. Very well. Very that that was kind of my interpretation of 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 that from the Hans Graf Cemetery. Right, Hans Graf. Sorry. I mean, even the name. Yeah, it's very German. It's very German. Well, there's definitely a lot of reading I have to do. Secret societies and psychological warfare. Maybe even fifty greatest conspiracies of all time. At the same time, we'll jump back and forth. But in the, fun. I always have fun with it. I'll pick up a book, I read a little bit, and I put it down, and then I'm like, I want to go look something else, and then I go back and forth. That's how I've always done two books at once. Yeah. Like in a real easy, fun way. 
Yeah, no, it just seems to be the way life goes for me as I never have enough time to sit and finish it. But surprisingly, I've been getting through the Empire of the Wheel. I'm at 360, 360 pages mm. in, so I only have less than 100 pages to go. So I'll be finished with that soon, and then I'm going to have Walter on the show and interview Walter on My Family Thinks I'm Crazy and uh, see how that goes. But anyways, we had a lot going on this conversation and it feels like it all kind of gelled with what we talked about last episode because that wasn't too recently so see what happens in between this week and next week mike as far as coming down to pa maybe this month but most likely next month i'm gonna say okay because that's kind of the been the plan regardless is you know february we're gonna kind of get get out of here so yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. But I feel like all of the synchromistic traveling has been happening in my mind lately, hence the podcast references and the book references and whatnot. But stay tuned, folks. Once the weather gets a little warmer, I'll be out on the road again. I'll have more synchromistic journeys to talk about because I like exactly you know what michael hoffman and james shelby downard kind of are talking about which is this and walter actually mentioned michael hoffman which is another weird synchronicity that i forgot as well and there's this sort of field researcher approach that i love and a lot of these researchers that i seem to be vibing with like yourself uh enjoyed doing too right so i'm just looking forward for it to be a little warmer out so i can get out and do that more it's like 15 degrees out today up here all right my friend well then i think that this has been another one of our good episodes indeed and until the next until next week i hope you stay i hope you stay warm <laughs> oh yeah well the people might hear the furnace is running in the background so I'm nice and warm down here, but yep. Thank you, Mike, again. And thank you for everyone listening here on your handbook for the apocalypse on Susquehanna Alchemy, the RSS feed brought to you by Michael Wan and myself. And yeah, tell your friends, share the show with your friends and send us some messages. If you want to be a part of the synchro mystic journey, we haven't gotten a lot of messages yet for 2022. So Tell us what you think. 